Good morning, everyone. In a moment, we're going to be turning to Psalm 142 and over to 1 Samuel 22. But let me just say uh, a couple of quick things. First of all, thank you so much for allowing us to come into your home this morning. And I hope you enjoyed the acoustic worship uh, out of the Love's house. But also to help your families, we want, you know, we're going to be showing some uh, connections for you to get online uh, to have some lessons and things like that, family time with your kids. So hopefully you'll stay in tune with that. Uh, now, you need to know today is a good day. Today is a good day because every day is a good day because the Lord made it. No matter what you feel, no matter how you feel, God's always good in spite of our circumstances. The news this week is that some things have changed. Gatherings uh, over the last few weeks have gone from 250 down to 50, down to uh, 10, then 5, and uh, so it's, and, and then I hear they're closing golf courses, so Things are not looking good at all when it comes to closures. But on a more serious note, let me just say this. I appreciate everything that everyone is doing to defeat this virus by staying home as much as possible and doing your part. I also realize it is very contagious, and I would also like to add this, and that is this, that there's only one thing more contagious than this virus, and that's fear. So as Christians, I'm just telling you, stay strong. Stay courageous, stay in the word, stay in prayer, and let your faith rule over your fear, because our God is bigger than this virus, he's bigger than everything else you're facing, and our God's got this battle, he's in your today, and he's in your tomorrow. Okay, let's lift up our phones, uh, Bibles, uh, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me, this is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and it's powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be. And I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can stay home and be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We had to change a couple things there, all right? Anyway, Psalms 142, David is conflicted and everything that's going on in his life seems to just not matching up what he believed the word of God was for his life. And maybe you feel that way too. I know God is for me, but it feels like everything and everyone is against me. In Psalm 34, uh, David wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. But in this Psalm, he starts out by crying out to the Lord for mer- mercy. Maybe this week you were one of the 350 people that got laid off at the shipyard. Uh, and I'm so sorry if that happened to you. Or maybe uh, you were one of the ones who lost your job because the business you worked for had to close. Or maybe uh, you lost a buttload of money in the stock market as you watched it tank over the last few weeks. It did make a slight comeback, though, in the last few days. The government tells us help is on the way, but it can't get here fast enough from what I understand. But I can tell you this, Jesus is bigger than our government. 
I know a lady who broke her nose this week and got laid off, and she had a great attitude. In spite of it all, she was still smiling. She was asking for prayers, but she did that better probably than I would have. Okay, let's read Psalm 142, written by David when he's going through a tough time. He's confined to a cave, like most of us have been confined to our caves. Maybe some of you are feeling great because you're an introvert and like your man cave, but truth is, most of us can only take so much confinement and we need to get out. And that's when you'll see moms and dads out with their kids in a, in a grocery store because uh, they couldn't stand being in the house any longer together, probably. Psalm 142, verse 1 says this, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where you, uh, in the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see. There is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I'm in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Now, when I read this psalm, I understood uh, verse 1. I understand David crying out to the Lord for mercy. I think many of us have, have prayed that prayer this week. God, please have mercy on me and uh, help me, Lord, through this situation. But verse 2 surprises me when David says, I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell him my trouble. This is when a lot of Christians want to pull over another Christian and say to them, don't you know you're not supposed to uh, do that? You're not supposed to complain to God. You're supposed to bless him at all times and let his praise be upon your lips. And David would probably tell you if you pulled him aside, I wrote that Psalm. I wrote Psalm 34. But today's a little different for me because sometimes before my mouth can be filled with praise, I have to pour out something else to make room for what I know I'm supposed to speak or to do. So this is where some people get confused about how we should come to God. We teach that we should come into God's presence with praise and thanksgiving. And many think we uh, we can only come to him that way. We can't come to him at all if we don't come to that way, come to him that way. So what happens to a lot of us is if we is that when we don't feel that way, we, we don't pray, we don't worship. We don't enter, in, enter into his presence in that specific, intangible uh, way where, where God can heal the issues of our hearts because we're scared of what would happen if we really opened up our hearts and told him how we really feel, if we really told him our complaints. Many of us have been brought up with a mind monster that we can't really be honest with God and tell him how we really feel, even though I think he already knows how you and I feel. The word complaint, here's what it means. It means an expression of discontent, regret, pain, censure, resentment, or grief, lament, fault finding. Uh, many of us are scared to tell uh, God our pain and our resentment. And here's why a lot of us are scared to tell him. I don't know about you, but it 
for me, it's something my dad used to tell me uh, when I was growing up and I started crying and whining. He would say, he would stop me and say this. If you don't stop crying, if you had a dad like this, you can finish it with me. I'll give you something to cry about. So I bet some of your dads were like that. And uh, you're probably laughing or smiling about that right now. But when David uses this language about pouring out his complaints to the Lord, it takes me by surprise because I'm so used to reading the Psalms and, and David being so positive and it being a place where, where David pours out his praise to God. And yet David says, I'm giving you my complaints. I, I didn't think you were supposed to do that if God is good to you. So as I'm reading this Psalm in Psalm 142, he starts out by giving him his, uh, his complaints, but he ends up by saying uh, uh, in this Psalm, God was good to him. And it's hard to put the two together. If God has been good to you, what do you have to complain about? But sometimes I'm afraid to complain in the presence of God, so I just don't pray. And it's because I can't say what I know I'm supposed to say, so I don't say anything at all. And it's because I'm scared. I'm scared that sometimes if I tell God how I really feel, he might just give me something to cry about because I'm scared if I tell him that, he's going to do that. So it gets uh, distracting and, and uh, for me because I, I say, God, I, in fact, even before I gave you this sermon today, I was, I, I was just not feeling it. And I, I had to just go in my office a minute ago and say, God, help me. I'm, I'm just not feeling it. Uh, a voice for for these people. I prayed and asked God for, for me to be a voice in my generation. And now I feel guilty for telling him, you know, I just don't have it today, God. I just don't feel it. And uh, I felt like the Lord said to me, you know what? You don't have it, but I have it. So I've learned over the years, and maybe you have too, and you can write this down. God is the only safe place where I can pour out my complaints. If we don't learn to pour out our complaints in his presence, they will spill over somewhere else. Where else can I go but to his presence? Who else can I talk to? Who else can I go to but to the one who knit me together and and formed me in my mother's womb? Am I going to go to Facebook? Is that a safe place? Am I going to go to Instagram where I can take a picture of my sour face and then put on there what I'm feeling and let everybody see it? Am I going to send some emails or text and then share it with others uh, or let others share what I just wrote? No. And you can write this down. This is something else I've learned. The presence of God is not a place to bypass your emotions. It's a place to process them. And I found that the only place to take my complaints and the only place to process my emotions is in the presence of God. Of God. That means the only way I can get out of this complaint situation is to come into his presence and tell him where I'm really at. You can try to start your prayers uh, by being phony and saying, oh, sovereign God, the presence of the, uh, uh, the, the God of the universe, the God of the seas, the God of, 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 of Nemo and Dory and Thailand and Vietnam and all that, oh gracious Father. But you know what? I've been around people who do that. And when they do that, it just doesn't seem real. It seems phony. It doesn't seem authentic. You can start there, but it doesn't seem real. I had an uncle who used to pray like that. 
I remember one time when he started off on his, oh, God, sovereign God, my brother and I opened our eyes and looked at each other and like, who is this guy? Because we knew he doesn't, he wasn't real. He wasn't authentic. And maybe you feel like today, it's one of those days where you don't feel saved. You don't feel like you uh, are just into it with God. And maybe you feel like throwing something like the other day. My phone was so messed up. I couldn't get it to turn on. I couldn't get it to be able to get to my text. I couldn't answer text. Sometimes I'd see him come on, then I'd try to get to him. Couldn't do it. I just wanted to throw the sucker. But uh, thank God my wife told me to get a hold of myself and all that. But I just want you to know, even though I felt like throwing it, I kept saying, I need my phone. I need my computer. I can't pastor these people you've given me, Lord, if I don't have it. And I felt like the Lord said to me, you know what? I wish you needed me as much as you need your phone. I wish you needed me as much as you need your laptop. And so I just said, Lord, I need you to come and rescue me. I need you to forgive me for looking to my phone as my rescue and my computer as my rescue. Have you ever thought about what would happen if all this had happened and we didn't even have the internet? What would we be doing? How in the world are we going to get along and how are we going to be able to see each other and help each other? But Thank God we do have the internet and we can do what we're doing today. But I want you to know, to get with God and to grow in God, it always starts from where you really are. So God's word gives me permission to pour out my complaint to him. And if David did it, you and I can do it as well. But here's another thing I've learned over the years, and you can write this down. When you're in confinement, when you're confined to your house, when you're in a cave confined, Pour your complaint out to God, but you need to also comfort and console others where you're at, when you see them. So what David did in, in the privacy of his cave is what we should all be doing when we're home alone and no one else is around. He prayed out to God aloud, but he let his spirit rule over his mind. So let, uh, I, I just want to say this. My mind can do a thousand things, can be in a thousand places all, all at once, or it can be in just one place. I tend to be a one-track person, so when my wife's talking to me, I don't even hear her. In fact, on our way over today to do this uh, service, she said, sometimes I don't even feel like I'm in the car. And I assured her, well, you're in the car, but I sometimes don't even know you're in the car. So David prayed aloud, so you can only say one word at a time. It takes control over your thoughts. And when you're talking, you can then have control over your spirit and over your heart. Some of you have had your mind going a thousand different directions already. You're, you're eating your breakfast. You're thinking about your bacon, your eggs, and your hash browns. And some of you women are thinking about the roast you have in the oven and haven't, had, haven't heard a word I've said. But I want you to know, as you begin to pray, as you begin to concentrate, God can take control of your spirit and it will rule over your emotions. <clears throat> so God will say, or some of you have maybe said to God, God, you just, do, do you see how I just acted or how, what I just thought? And God would say, yeah, I just saw how you acted. I just saw how you thought. And those were some nasty actions and some nasty thoughts. And God would say, I already know your nasty actions for tomorrow and your nasty thoughts for tomorrow. But guess what? I decided to send my son to die in your place with complete foreknowledge 
of all your faults. I don't know about you, but that's good news. And in the midst of this, we need some good news and Jesus is it. So no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what is going on in this life, you need to know God is there. He's in the depressed place. He's in the darkness. He's in the confined places. And as David is writing this psalm, he finds himself confined in a cave with some great acoustics, by the way. You know how you can sing in the shower sometimes and it sounds really good? There were great acoustics there. And, uh, you know, sometimes when I'm in the shower, I, th- I sound amazing in my mind, in my ears. I, I'm, I, I sound so good sometimes. I've told Lois, I just need to hire an agent and make a recording. We can make millions and, and we can get out of the ministry and we can just do this. And there's never a reply back. She just walks out of the bathroom and leaves me by myself, which tells me it's not as good as I thought. Anyway, David had good acoustics. First Samuel 22 tells us this. He's under attack, but some of the best expressions of our relationship with ships with God will be born, not when you are on top of your game, but when you are hiding in despair and try not to be infected by a virus. So David may be a giant killer and has a future as a, uh, a leader and as a king, but <clears throat> right now, his calling is in conflict with his circumstances. Let me just say this. David's situation in Psalm 142, the backdrop to this psalm is in 1 Samuel 22. David's in a safe place in the cave uh, of Adullam. It tells us in 1 Samuel 22, verse 1, this. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So David was in Gath. Maybe you don't know this, but Gath is a place that Goliath was from. So he's hiding in the place where he just defeated his enemy. He's hiding in a place where he doesn't belong. And I don't know about you, but I've felt over the last couple of weeks, I don't belong confined in my little office or confined in my house. And I don't want to be here. I want to, and now that the golf courses are shut down, I'm stuck with just Lois and me and a few staff people. Thank God I do love these people. But I want you to know, David's on the run from Saul and he's in a place where he doesn't want to be confined for very long. He can't stay in the place he belongs, which is where Gath is, but uh, he he can't stay with his enemies. Uh, So let me just say this. Have you ever felt like you don't quite fit anywhere? That's kind of where David was at. Have you ever felt like you don't quite fit where you came from and you don't quite fit where you're going? Have you ever felt like you're too churchy to be worldly, but you're a little worldly, too worldly to be in some churches? Uh, I know I have, and I just want you to know, this is the word that, that got my attention as I'm reading this in 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. It's the word escapes. See, everyone has a way they escape. For some of us, it's our AirPods. I can just put them on. People think I'm talking to someone on the phone. I might be listening to some. Maybe I'm not listening to anything at all, but they don't know that. Or for some of us, it might be movies. I talked to a guy last week who has a whole library full of John Wayne movies, and he told me he has watched almost every rerun of John Wayne movies that he has in his library. For some of you, it could be Justin Bieber. Maybe it's uh, Nick Jonas. Uh, Maybe it's Carrie Underwood. I don't know all these 
popular singers out there these days. Maybe it's just you're escaping the country western. I don't know what it is. But here's the principle, and you can write this down. Here's what I want you to hear. The way you escape could lead to a greater captivity. What I'm trying to say is this. It's so important that where you go when you run, because sometimes what you run to will end up running you. So David escapes from the sword of Saul. He escapes to a cave, which is a safe place, but he escaped to something that he was trapped in. And here's what I want us to, to hear today, that that what when we're, we're set up in our homes and we're set up in a place, you are never meant to stay there. Don't get trapped in loving staying at home. We understand, I think I understand now what David's complaint was about. He, he, he's supposed to be moving towards being a king, but he's stuck in a cave. We're supposed to be moving towards winning the world for Jesus Christ, and we think we're stuck and nothing's happening. But I want you to know what seemed to be a setback was really a setup, and God was setting him up for an advancement that he didn't even see. See, David is safe, but he's stuck, but he knows there's more to me than this. And David is surprised, not by his enemies, not by uh, the, the enemies that are surrounding him. He's surprised by who doesn't surround him. He's surprised by who's not in his life. Have you ever looked around and wondered, where are the people that I helped? Where are the people that I prayed for? Where are the people that I served with? See, uh, I, I believe that, um, well, let me just say this. Can I just talk to you from my heart for a moment to you as a church? Let, let me ask you this question. Have you forgotten about the people that you worshiped with, that you served with, that you uh, um, prayed with? I, I just, you know, there's an old saying that says, uh, out of sight, out of mind. And it can happen to all of us so easily. Just a couple of weeks ago, we're in church together, we're worshiping God together, serving together. And now some of those people are wondering, where are those people that say they're my brothers and my sisters in Christ? And I, I just want you to know, I believe there are people out there saying, does anybody think about me? That's what was happening to David. David was saying, where are my friends? Where are the ones that I thought would be with me? Does anybody care about me? That's what he's saying in Psalm 142. Now, the rest of the verse in 1 Samuel uh, 22, 1 tells us he wasn't alone. He thought he was alone, but he wasn't. He was surrounded by family. His family showed up. And the backstory of Psalm 142 is that David is in despair and discouraged, not because he's in trouble, but because he can't find his support. Well, you say, well, look, he has his family around him. And uh, well, yeah, he has his family around him. But you need to know, this is what it says here in verse one. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and sisters, when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him. See, he's surrounded, but there's a difference between being surrounded and feeling supported. David's surrounded by family who really didn't believe in him. His own father didn't believe or, or bring him on in on draft day when the prophet Samuel showed up to uh, 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 prophesy and anoint a new king. David was left out. His own brothers didn't believe in him either. And I think what happened here is that they ran to David when they found out he was in the cave of Adullam, 
because they knew David was a fighter. They knew David, David might defend him, and they were afraid that Saul and his men would find them and kill the family. So they ran to David. Have you ever gotten a call from somebody that you hadn't heard from in a long time, and you know the only reason they're calling is because they, they want something? And so the phone rings, and, and you just want to say to them, hey, can you get cut the, to the chase and just get down to what you really want? Because I know you only call me when you want something. And yet you know you're supposed to bless the Lord at all times, and you're supposed to not complain, but you don't feel like you have any friends around you. So you, you tell them, let's just get to it. Tell me what you want, and uh, we'll, I'll, I'll see if I can really take care for you. It's not that he doesn't know anybody. It's just that nobody really knows him. He doesn't say nobody came. In Psalm 142, he says nobody cares. Folks, I don't want the people of Harbor City Church to feel like no one cares. I'm so glad people are praying on Monday nights at 9 p.m. live on Facebook with Kinda Wilson. I'm so glad people are praying at 8.30 on Wednesday nights live with, the, uh, with Jimmy and Jess Hargrove. And I'm so glad people are uh, worshiping with the Lufts on, I think it's Wednesdays or Thursdays uh, around noon. Uh, they're doing some live worship, and I think that's great. I, I love that, that our isolation has caused us to turn to prayer, but I also want it to turn to action to care for other people. So this week, I want you to know we're going to be making some phone calls. We're going to be making some texts. We're going to be making some emails, and we're going to let you know we want to know, are you okay? We want you to know we care. And I want you as a church to be thinking about those people. When they come to your mind, don't just slough it off. Don't just say a quick prayer. But send them a text. Send them an email. Call them and let them know you care. Now, I'm not David. I'm just a husband. But I think husbands and wives and, and every friend can relate to how David felt. Does anyone care about me as a person? So when are they going to ask? How are you doing? But God sends David some people to the cave. And the one thing I know, everybody in that cave needed something from David. Here's how I know. Here's how the Bible describes the people that David sent to him. This is David's team in verse two. All those who are in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. And he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. So David says, no one is surrounding me. I, I, I don't know the sequence of when these guys showed up, if it was before or if it was after, but I can tell you this. These men were the roughest and toughest dudes that you would ever meet. These guys were the kind of guys that, that would fight for David on the spur of the moment. And David didn't know this, but it wasn't a setback. It was a setup. David was being surrounded by the men who would lead him into his ultimate calling. David was being surrounded by men who would get bored on a rainy, snowy day, chase down a lion in a pit and jump in there with it and just kill the lion for fun. That's the kind of guys that David got 
uh, surrounded by in his life. It wasn't a setback. It was a setup so David could advance in his kingdom. And the same thing's happening for you and I today. God's not giving you a setback. He's giving us a setup so that we can advance the kingdom. It may be in your home. It may be through the phone. It may be through your computers. It may be through text or whatever it might be. But God is setting us up to advance his kingdom. And when this thing gets over, we're not going to stay in despair and in complaining, but we're going to do exactly what God did for David in Psalm 142 and in 1 Samuel chapter 5. The last verse in Samuel, 1 Samuel 5, it says the uh, prophet came to him and said, David, you're not meant to stay in the stronghold. Go into the land of Judah. What's the land of Judah? Judah means praise. God wants to take every one of us into the land of praise. And when you read Psalm 142, we're going to get there in just a moment. It's, it tells us this uh, in verse 7. Let's go there. In verse 7, it says, Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. What may look like men of debt and men of discontentment and rough and tough and rugged just might be the, the righteous people that God wants around your life to lead you into a place of praise. Because David started out with complaint. He started out crying out aloud, but he ends up in the land of praise where God wants to take every one of us today. Harbor City Church, I believe we're going to advance like we never have before because we're ending up in the land of praise. I hope today, this week, not only will you praise him, but may you call someone else and tell them you thoroughly love them, care about them, and praise them as well. Let me pray for you today, and uh, I believe God's going to do some great things as we learn to pray honest prayers, care for people more, and fight in the Spirit for what really matters most. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now you will touch every person that's watching this sermon online. I ask you, God, to touch those who may not know you. Now, I'm going to talk to those of you who may not know Christ today. You're not watching this this sermon by accident. You're online because God brought you here. So I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you feel like the whole world's against you. Everything's falling apart. And God's just saying, no, it's not. This is not a setback. This is a setup. I'm setting you up for a time for you to come to know me as your personal savior. And if that's you today, I think there's a place for you to just click over to your right, I think, to just say, I raise my hand, accept Christ. And I'll just pray this prayer and you can pray it with me. Uh, Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, all my failures. Come into my life and be my savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my king. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me also just pray for those of us who are confined to our caves. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now for those of us, all of us, Lord, in this state that are being confined and trying to obey the laws of the land. And at the same time, we're feeling kind of stir crazy and all those kind of things. I pray, Lord, as that you will help us to use this time to fight 
for, uh, on behalf of others to intercede, to see miracles, signs, and wonders. Because Lord, you bypass the confinement and you do miracles like we've never seen before. I pray right now that you would be the provider for those who've lost jobs, miracles of provision. I pray for the businesses that are just hanging on by a thread. Keep them, Lord. Help them. And I pray uh, for those who are, are, are just at their wits end. I pray, God, for miracles of provision in every way, shape, and form. For those who are fighting sickness, we pray for miracles of physical healing, Bypass, Lord, and go into through the airways into these homes and do a miracle of healing on these folks. Thank you, Lord, for the miracles that you're doing right now. Bless your church as it goes forth over the airways throughout the whole world, and we pray more people will be saved, more miracles will happen, and, and uh, your church will advance. It's not a setback, Lord. We know that now. It's a setup by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church, for joining us today. There's some information for you to look at to help you again with your children. Pray you'll do that as well. And uh, continue to give and uh, see your church advance. We love you. God bless you. See you next week.